Well, hey, this morning, I have something new to say that I haven't said in quite some time. We're not in Leviticus. Listen, Leviticus was awesome, and I learned a lot. I hope you learned something. Uh, but today, we, we have started a new series, and it's going to be a series on the Holy Spirit. Um, I want to encourage you to listen with open ears. This morning we sang a song about the things that we believe. And I think that's a really good thing for us to focus our minds on, focus our heart on. Um, one of those things is the Holy Spirit. And so today I'm going to share with you a couple of things about the Holy Spirit that I think every believer, regardless of your background, regardless of your experience. How many of you have ever had a bad experience in a church? Just raise your hand. Yeah, a bad experience. <laughs> so I'm talking to you today, okay? This is, this is going to be a very good and I think a refreshing message series over the next several weeks. So if you'll do me this favor, go on your device or in your paper Bible and go to John chapter 14. I want to tell you a little bit about what's happening in John chapter 14 um, as we start to talk about the Holy Spirit today. And the title of my message is this, Who is He? That's the title of my message. Who is he? So in John chapter 14 to 16, Jesus is having a conversation that lasts quite a while. And it's in the last days of his life. So in chapter 14, he's at the Last Supper. And if you look down at verse 31 in chapter 14, he says, arise and let us go from here. So then the next chapter, chapter 15, they arrive at a place called the Mount of Olives. And the main context of what Jesus is saying to them over these three chapters worth of, of content is really the last few hours before he goes to be judged and crucified. And he says essentially this, and this is my paraphrase, it's my version. He says, I'm going away, but I'm not leaving you alone. And I just think that's so wonderful to think about, that God has not ever wanted us to be left alone. I know we talked about a parenting small group, and there are days that we need to be left alone, okay? Because we're talking in those terms. But when we talk about our context or our relationship with Jesus, with the Father, with the Holy Spirit, His desire was never for us to ever be alone. So Jesus starts to introduce them to the idea of the Holy Spirit and who he is. In fact, this last first Wednesday, this past Wednesday, which we have a first Wednesday service every month. Sandra, did you enjoy that or what? It was awesome, wasn't it? We had such a good time. She wasn't the only one there. I just, she sent me a text message and said, pastor, that was so good. Um, but first Wednesday, if you missed it, it's really simple to remember. It'll be on the next First Wednesday. It's pretty simple, right? And we just have an extended time of worship. We have communion. We have a few minutes of, a, uh, of an encouraging word to us. And the Lord gave something to me and put it in my heart to share this Wednesday. And I'm going to repeat it for those of you who weren't there. And that is along the lines of God wanting to be present with us. I want you to think about the idea of Genesis. That it says that God came down to the garden and he walked with them in the cool of the day. Not, not only then, but then God starts to inspire his prophets and his priests to be those who speak for him or on behalf of him to the people and from the people to him. He's got these mediators that he puts on the earth. Then fast forward a few thousand years and then Jesus comes on the scene and he is present with us in the physical human world. God being present with us. Then when he leaves, he says, it is not my goal or my desire to leave you alone. 
And I think I, I remember the words of God saying to the people of Israel, his desire has always been that I would be their God and they would be my people. I will dwell with them. And in fact, we've got a glorious hope that we are heading towards a final destination that is not this world. It's not this earth right now as it is. It is a heavenly home. And God will get his wish that he will finally be with us and us with him for all eternity. So we've got to understand that God wants to be present with us. And he doesn't want us to live without him. He wants to be with you, but better still, he actually wants to reside inside of you. Now, I'm, I'm going to say something that I just want you to think about, and that is this. We've talked about the fact, and I've heard it all my life, and you might have as well, that you could invite Jesus to live inside of you. Now, while that's good and correct and wise and right and okay, there's nothing wrong with that, the understanding is that Jesus is not here on this earth. He's up there seated on the right hand of the Father. And he says, when I go, it's good that I go, because when I go, I will send a comforter to you. He will be with you and he will be in you. So the Holy Spirit is what helps us come to salvation. The Holy Spirit is also what empowers us to live the life that God calls us to live. John chapter six, uh, 14, verse 16 and 17, I want to read this to you. It says this of Jesus' words. He says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Something really important to pay attention to in that section of scripture are those two words, another and forever. And I'll come back to that in just a second. But I, I want you to understand that the Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a personal being. The Bible tells us and gives us, I'm going to give you a really large word that you don't care about, but this is what it is anthropomorphic imagery, okay? That is human form imagery. Us to understand he has a mind, will, emotions. He is a being. He's not an inanimate object. He's not a, um, just a wisp of the wind that comes through. He has a personality. He is God. And this is what's really incredible about him. He wants to live inside of me and inside of you. So if we don't see him as a personal being, will never desire to have a relationship with him. And I think that's where we miss the mark, or at least that's where I've missed the mark in my life in past times, is that I considered him an it that could be used when I needed it to be used, kind of like drinking an energy drink uh, and just get that extra push right when you need it. But he's so much more than just that. So if we see him as a thing or an it instead of a personal being, we'll never develop a personal relationship with him. And the truth is we develop personal relationships with people, right? Not with trees and inanimate, uh, you know, other things, or you shouldn't. If you do, we do know some psychologists that could help you. Uh, but he's a personal being. The words another and forever that show up there in verse 16. Jesus was our helper while on earth, and he actually uses that phrase and says, I will send, or the, rather the Father will send another helper. That's really important for us to understand that the Holy Spirit is our helper in Christ's absence. Think about that. 
The other word there, forever, I wanted to tell you something, which I know, like, I polish up on my Greek, and I learn how to, like, pronounce stuff, and it's, like, really exciting, and you don't care. So here's what I'm going to tell you. Here's what I'm going to tell you. The word translated forever in this passage of Scripture, you know what it means? It actually means forever. (laughs) I'm sorry. There was a punchline right there. It means forever, okay? It means eternally, always, forever. So what I'm saying is this. He's not like the milk you bought and put in the fridge this weekend that expires in two weeks. And I'm telling you, this is a good message for all of us to hear. I have searched and searched and studied the scripture. I'm in my 19th year of full-time ministry this year. I have done my homework and I have never ever, and I've read the Bible through from cover to cover. I have never yet found a single place that says that he's got an expiration date. So I, I need you to develop. So here's the thing, and this is what I tell, I, if you don't know me that well, I do teach at CCA, Clinton Christian Academy. I teach Bible there. And this is what I tell my students. It doesn't matter how you feel. It matters what God's word says. So I want to tell that to you this morning, regardless of your background and your thoughts, or maybe somebody who said, well, the Holy Spirit was for the first days of the church. And then after that, he's gone, poof, he's just gone. No, that's not true because God's always wanted to be with us. And it says here that he'll be with us forever. Amen? So let me show you three quick places in chapter 14 and through 16 that demonstrate that the Holy Spirit is a personal being. Verse 25 and 26 of chapter 14 says this. Jesus' words, These things I've spoken to you while I am still with you, but the helper, everybody say helper, The helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Jump over to John chapter 15, verse 26 and 27. Jesus' words again. But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, and then there's this this phrase there, the Spirit of truth. That's another name for the Holy Spirit. He proceeds from the Father. He will bear witness about me. So the Bible, Jesus is actually saying he will testify about me. In other words, he will lead others to Jesus. Verse 27, it says, And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. So he's saying, I want you to testify of the things that you've known. And then he tells them in in chapter 14, you're going to remember everything I said because the Holy Spirit is going to quicken your mind and cause you to remember that, oh, wait, Jesus talked about this. And it will help you. The Holy Spirit will help you throughout all of those things. And he'll testify about him. And then in John chapter 16, verse 12 and 13, it says this. And really, we're just going to stay between those three chapters. So don't freak out this morning. I won't take you all over the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. But the Holy Spirit is in all of it. I want you to think about that. He really is. He's present at creation. It's good. We need the Holy Spirit. Amen? We need him. So listen to this. In John chapter 16, verse 12 and 13, he says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority. I've never seen a tree speak 
an inanimate object. But I've seen people speak. I've seen someone that's a personal being speak. It says here, he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. The Holy Spirit knows the future. I'll never forget, I had a conversation with my brother-in-law years ago, and uh, it kind of rattled me. Uh, He was a worship leader in a church in New Jersey, and we were talking through some aspect of ministry, and he said, oh, we're singing that song in our church next month. And I thought, you planned out till next month? I really did. Because I was leading worship, self-taught guitar at the time at my church, and I was fumbling through, like, just trying to pick the set list and whatever and try to get it ready for this Sunday. And he said something that really challenged me. He said, Dexter, don't you think the Holy Spirit knows what he wants to do next month? Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's sung a little bit. And I thought, well, yeah, he's a planner. He's absolutely a planner. Listen to what it says here. It says that he will teach us, remind us, testify about Christ. He'll guide us. He hears, he speaks, he declares. He will show us the future. That's what it says. That's what Jesus Christ said. So the word helper there, it actually means one that comes alongside. And I don't know about you, but I need all the help alongside that I can get. So the Holy Spirit really desires to empower and enable me to live the life that God wants me to live. I can't live the Christian life can I, I'm, I'm going to say this. It might sound a little bit off, but just listen to me. I can't live the Christian life without the Holy Spirit. I can't live it with just Jesus, with just walking an aisle when I was seven years old and, and accepting Jesus into my heart. I need the Holy Spirit to help me obey God's word, to know when to shut up and when to talk, speak up. To know what to do in the future and to have the decision. The Holy Spirit knows. So today I want to tell you three things about who he is. The first thing is, we've been talking about it, he's my helper. So he helps me know what to say and he helps me know what not to say. Everybody say amen. Amen. The Holy Spirit can be your filter, praise God. So John chapter 16, verse 8, we'll have that on the screen for you. It says this, and when he has come... He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. The word convict really means to be convinced. So he's going to convince us of our sin, of our our need for Christ. He's going to convince us of our righteousness, which is not just right actions. It is being in right standing with God, that we're his son or his daughter, and that there is judgment coming. And judgment has been already initiated towards the enemy. So in John chapter 16, verse 9, he says of sin, because they do not believe in me. So if you don't believe you're a sinner, you don't know you need a savior, right? So the Holy Spirit works to make that happen. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 12, 3, it says this, no one can claim Jesus is Lord except by the work of the Holy Spirit. Truthfully and genuinely believe that. So the Holy Spirit's job as my helper is to lead me to Jesus. In verse 10, it says of righteousness, because I go to my father and you see me no more. 
So we don't have a physical present or person that we can actually be present with that will reassure us of our position and standing with God. But the Holy Spirit was given to all believers. Jesus had to be put into a single body in a single place for a certain time. And when he goes, the Holy Spirit is able to be inside of all believers everywhere. This is amazing. And it's a gift from the Father that for so long, I believe people have been uh, misguided and they've misunderstood God's word and they haven't allowed him to have access to them. But I pray today is the day of change for each and every one of us who have been like that. So he convicts us of sin so that we really believe and we come to Christ. And once we believe, he convicts us of our right standing with God. Verse 11 says this, of judgment, listen to me, because the ruler of this world is judged. John chapter 12, verse 31 says, now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And in chapter 14, verse 30, Jesus says, I won't talk to you much longer for the ruler of this world is coming, but he's got nothing in me. In other words, there's also a proof that we understand and know that Jesus Christ did live a sinless life. He's the only sacrifice that qualified to meet the standard of, re of redemption for each one of us. He is the only one. And here it says that the enemy of this world, or the ruler of this world rather, is coming and he's nothing in me. So he's telling them that Satan's about to be dethroned. You gotta understand, think about this for just a moment. Jesus is presently speaking to his disciples and he's saying the enemy is coming, but he is going to be judged. In other words, he's taking away all the authority of the enemy. The Bible says that Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy. And that includes the works of the enemy that the enemy wants to try to get me to do. <laughs> And he wants to reconcile mankind to himself. And this is so important because God's, uh, his grand plan and scheme in all of this has been to get us back to the Garden of Eden. I mean, you have to understand that, uh, principally speaking, to know that we broke it, he bought it, and repaired it, and he will restore it so that one day we're living in a happy place again where there's no animals that bite, where there's no fear, there's no tears, there's no pestilence, there's no... This is amazing. God has got this amazing plan that he's been working out. In these verses that we read just a minute ago, it's clear that he's my helper. So he convicts me of my need for a savior he convicts me or convinces me of my right standing with God. And then he convicts me that the, that the enemy of God, Satan himself, has been stripped of all of his authority. So I, I want to say something to you today, and this is really important in your struggle against sin. How many of you sinned in the last 14 days? A hundred percent of us. In the last 14 minutes? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> In the, I was trying to get a, a good, you know, measurable number here. But here's the deal. The enemy has no authority in your life that you as a believer don't give him. So when we say, we, oh, I've struggled with this thing and I just keep doing it and I just can't stop it. Yes, you can. <laughs> I'm going to pull out Bob Newhart. Stop it. With the Holy Spirit's help. Amen. Because he has no authority in my life 
that I have not given him. The problem is, is we've all given him a little bit of something, and he's taken a lot of it. I know, that's, all the grammarians are like, Pastor, please fix that statement. Okay, we gave him an inch, and he took a mile, right? And he wants more and more. Here's the deal. God is all in, and he wants all of you, and so does the enemy. There's a war that's been going on since the beginning of mankind from our existence that God has a victory plan, and he will not be denied. But we're living in that tension right now. And we've got to see it for what it is. The, the enemy does not have any authority in my life as a believer that I don't give to him. So those are just three ways that he helps me. Number two about who the Holy Spirit is. Not only is he my helper, but he's my friend and he's not weird. Come on, somebody. He's my friend and he's not weird. How do I know he's not weird? Because he's my friend and I don't hang out with weird people. No, I'm just kidding. He's my friend and I know him to be stable-minded, to be a planner, to set order to chaos. I know his character and the quality of who he is. And I can tell you since I know him and I'm introducing some of you to him today, he's not as weird as people make him out to be. I feel like he's gotten a really bad rap. My understanding is that the enemy we've been talking about really sought to really drive a wedge in between the understanding of what the church was. And we experienced something incredible in the, at the turn of the century, in the 19th into the 20th century, and revival was happening and things were just, people were being saved, they were being healed, incredible things, and something happened that was super natural, and the enemy used that one thing and he's got a bunch of people focused on that one thing as being the weirdest. And he's got people focused on that one thing as being the only thing about the Holy Spirit. What I'm talking about, because I won't speak in code, is the speaking in tongues. We've, we've got that understanding wrong. It is a single, hear me, this will help you. It is a single benefit in many, many benefits. So he's not weird and he is my friend. Um, can I tell you something? People are weird. They're, they can be really strange. And I think they've done a lot of stupid stuff. I just talk plainly, Sam. I hope that's okay. They've done a lot of stupid stuff and they've ended up blaming it on the Holy Spirit. It's almost, it's just as bad as a little kid, which I've never heard one say this, but the devil made me do it. Uh, no, the Holy Spirit didn't make you act like a weirdo. You were a weirdo before you got the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Somebody shout, preach. Come on. So don't judge the Holy Spirit as weird just because you've met a weirdo who claimed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Is, that, is this okay? This is good preaching. So I can tell you some stories, but we do not have time for that today. You can be normal and believe in the person and in the power and in the purpose of the Holy Spirit. Allow him to live inside of you and allow him to actually use you and not be a psycho. This is awesome. He's not goofy. He's a personal being and he is the very spirit of God. So who do you think made us afraid of the Holy Spirit? Because people have been afraid of the work of the Holy Spirit, the purpose of the Holy Spirit for a long time. 
The only person that would want us to stay away from him would not be God. That's not of God. That would be of the enemy planting seeds, causing us, and almost all of us raised our hands and said, at some point we had a bad experience in church. I don't, I hope it wasn't this church, but I'm telling you, I hope it's something more than just somebody didn't shake your hand. You're talking about something that's deep, something that happened that's a wound. And I'm telling you, the enemy is the one who's the culprit. Listen to me, church. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but the Bible says against principalities and powers and the rulers of darkness. So we have to understand it's not the Holy Spirit's fault that those things have happened in church. And can I just tell you, even if this will just, it'll come out sentimental and it may not have too much power. But if I could stand in the place of that person who did that thing to you, I want to humbly ask you to forgive. Forgive that issue, the church split you went through, the people that you know disenfranchised you or ostracized you and put you out of the group. Forgive those who gossiped about you. Take them, I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit wants me to tell you this today. It's not in my notes. That's how I know it's the Holy Spirit because he helped me plan this, but he also speaks in a moment's notice And I'm telling you, if you're hurt, it does you no good to just dwell on that hurt. It is healing and helpful. I'll tell you this, and I've told the church before, so if you've heard the story, I'm sorry, but it's worth repeating. In Hawaii, when we pastored there, there were major issues in the church with leadership, and we misunderstood things, they misunderstood things, and we were young and dumb, and they were old and stupid. <laughs> okay, no. Uh, <laughs> okay, sorry. That was that was the flesh, just so you know, not the Holy Spirit. But having said that, though, we walked through some really, really traumatic times. And when people ask me, oh, it must have been nice that God called you to Hawaii. Listen, it was boot camp. And I've told my students this story. I've told the church this story. To this day, when I see a Ford Ranger pickup truck, I have to lean on the Holy Spirit and say again, I forgive. Lord, I pray you'd bless him today. Help him be led to you. Lord, I forgive. I have to do that same thing today. And God bless you if you drive a Ford Ranger. I'm sorry, I don't know everybody's vehicle here. But I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is my friend. He's not weird. He wants to help me in every one of those moments when I'm tempted to think, oh yeah, that's what they did. And that's why I hate, no, 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 no. I've got to jump right back in and say, Holy Spirit, please help me in this moment. We've got to do that. We're not... We're not healthy believers if we don't live a life like that. Amen? Amen? So there are many churches who believe in the person and power of the Holy Spirit, and we are one of those churches, but we don't believe in being weird and blaming it on God. Don't try to pull that stunt around here, okay? Our God is a God of order, and he brings order to chaos. Some churches have focused. Here's the deal. If I say the word Pentecostal, people shudder. If I say the word Pentecostal, you immediately think of hair in a bun, somebody acting weird, maybe swinging off a chandelier. You think of no makeup, floor length dress. I don't know what you think of when the words Pentecostal hit you, but we are Pentecostal in the biblical sense, not in that sort of sense that you might have understood being here in the Bible Belt. And some churches, though, have also focused not just on the outward appearance of a person, but they've singled out this one benefit from the Holy Spirit, which is speaking in tongues, to the detriment and exclusion of the other gifts that he brings. 
he's, I hate to use this analogy, but he's like Santa Claus with a bag full of goodies and he's got dozens and dozens of them. And we've all experienced or heard someone do something weird with one of them. And then we've been like, oh, I don't want anything out of that bag. But he wants to help you. He wants to be your friend. He wants to live inside of you. You should welcome that. The problem is, is sometimes we don't want to welcome that (laughs) because we have other things living inside of us. I'm not talking about other beings. I'm talking about stuff we want to do that we don't want the Holy Spirit's help with. Somebody say amen quietly. (laughs) So the Holy Spirit, I think he's offended when we put him in the box of just outward appearance or in just the box of speaking in tongues. Although this happened and it does happen, that's not the only thing about him. And we've got to know that. So um, I have to say this, which is we pastor, I pastor an Assemblies of God church. We're part of the fellowship that was birthed out of the Azusa Street Revival that happened in the early 1900s. And I have credentials and I am in good standing with our district. I love the beliefs that we espouse. I love those. I hold them dear. I grew up as an AG kid. I went into ministry school that was part of the Assemblies of God. I've graduated from there. I've pastored in AG churches. But I say that to say, I think even we have gotten off the mark. And it's important for us to understand that so that we cannot be in the place of denying his power just because we had a weird experience. This, this message will heal your soul today. I'm telling you. So the Holy Spirit is my friend and he's not weird. But let me say this. Supernatural activity. The word super added to natural. Think about this. In natural vessels will always present challenges to those who look at it, who see it, who, who aren't experiencing it themselves. So it's something that we should understand. We serve a supernatural God and he wants to be with you and in you on the daily. He doesn't go to the hotel. He he stays with you, right? He, He doesn't go check out and check back in. He stays with you. So he's my helper. He's my friend. He's not weird. And the third and final point today is he's my God. When I say God, the father is my God, nobody blinks an eye. When I say I've accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, he's my God, nobody bats an eye. But if you say the Holy Spirit is my God, people are like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Right? Like, because it's weird. They're like, oh, I'm not sure. They get this strange look on their face. But here's the deal. Our church believes in the doctrine of the Trinity. We sang that song. Thank you, Mandy, for leading worship today. That bless my spirit today. We believe in God the Father, in God the Son, and in God the Holy Spirit. We do. And we presently believe in his current work on the earth in the lives of believers. So if you're wondering and you, if you've ever had a question about, if, is he really God or is he just the essence of God or any of those things, you can look in John 14 and in 15 as well as at Jesus' baptism and you will see the presence of all three the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In fact, if you read Genesis, you'll see it there too. So the Holy Spirit is God. He is not an odd uncle to avoid, (laughs) okay? And he's not a weirdo that got out of the nut house 2,000 years ago just for a couple days so he could help the church and then go back. We gotta know this. Like there's humor helps it sink in. We gotta know this. 
So listen to what the Bible says as, as the worship team comes to join me. Listen to what the Bible says explicitly about the Holy Spirit. It says this about him. It says that he intercedes through us on the earth. It says that the Holy Spirit calls and qualifies ministers, me, for my work. It is the Holy Spirit who makes us overseers over the flock. It says he hears, he speaks, he teaches, he guides us into all truth. He glorifies Christ. He receives from Christ. He shows us Christ and he brings all of Christ's words to our remembrance. There have been times and moments in my life that I have needed a word from God. And I didn't need a personal word in this moment about the situation. I just needed to hear God's voice. And I heard it because the Holy Spirit reminded me of some scripture verse I learned in Sunday school, 10, 15, 20, whatever years ago from that moment. Because the Holy Spirit wants to be that guide and that help. So it's better for us that Jesus left so that the Holy Spirit could come. These are directly out of scripture. The Holy Spirit shows us things to come. He knows the deep things of God. He searches all things and he reveals all things. Where he is, there's liberty and freedom. Somebody should shout. The writers of the Bible spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us that we are warned not to grieve him. Don't tick him off or make him mad. Don't quench him. Don't shut him up or shut him out. The sin against him is unpardonable because sin against him is against the only one who can reveal the son to us. The Bible also says, unless a man is born of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. We're convicted by him, born again by him, led by him, filled with him, and sealed for all eternity by him. He's awesome. And I told us on Wednesday night, and I'm telling you from the depth of my heart today, that you need more of him. We understand the Holy Spirit leads us to salvation. He's present with us in that moment and continues to be with us. But all I can see in scripture leads me to understand in the New Testament that there was a secondary experience that happened, something after salvation, where there was a baptism in the Holy Spirit, much like the baptism in water. And it causes us to be covered over completely by him and led by him and want more of him all the time because we can never have enough of the Holy Spirit. There are two types of people here today, not including the weirdos. I don't know if you're here, but I, I hope the Lord can help you too. There are two types of normal people though here today. There's a believer here today and you've experienced him and maybe you've been at a place where you haven't heard him in a while and you say, you know what, pastor, you're right. I've got to hear God's voice. I've got to hear the Holy Spirit. I've got to have his presence in my life. I'm not sure about all the other gifts that comes along with him, but I want God with me. And then there's someone who might've lacked teaching or maybe you got the wrong teaching in your Sunday school or in your background, whatever it may have been, and you thought he was the thing that you should avoid or he just worked for a few months, 2,000 years ago to help start the church. But I'm telling you from my heart, he's the one that lives inside of your pastor that helps with this church today. He's still working and there's no expiration date. Would you stand with me? I, I'm 
gonna make a call today for you to respond. And we don't often do anything of a public nature calling you to the front and that kind of thing. We have our prayer stations on either side that we oftentimes open for prayer. But today I want you right in your seat. If you say, Pastor, I, I've, I've been saved. I'm a believer and I need either the Holy Spirit for the first time or I need more of him because I've leaked out some of his presence. If that's you, I want you to just slip up your hand. You say, Pastor, I need the Holy Spirit or I need more of him. Go ahead right now, all across this room. Your pastor, I would put both hands up if I could. So I'm praying today and I want you to keep your hands up. It, it won't be long. Put them both up in the air in a receiving position. There is nothing weird or hokey or mystical about what we're doing here. We are just offering ourselves to God and saying, God, I want you to fill me. I want you to pour yourself into me. And I want you to just whisper that prayer to him and whatever you need to say with it, but just say, Holy Spirit, I need you. Tell him, tell him, just whisper that prayer today. Holy Spirit, I need you. God, I need a fresh touch from your presence. Lord, I don't have enough of you in my life, in my work, in my marriage, in my family. God, I need more of you today. And I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to fill. So keep your hands as long as you can right there in receiving position and just continue to worship and cry out to him and ask him for his help. Now, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I had some wrong teaching. I've never heard about the Holy Spirit like you preach today. And I, I kind of shied away from him, but I need him to. Would you slip up your hands? Anyone here? Slip them up and just say, Holy Spirit, I need you today.